morning. So good to see you. Everyone having a good day? A little chilly this morning from Miami, 67 degrees. Uh, but I'm so glad to be here with you. I wanted to give a shout out to my home, Kendall, home campus, Kendall. Uh, just love you guys. Just ask God's blessings on you now. And for all of you who are joining us online from all around the world, welcome. It is so good to be with you. And as I get started today, I've got a confession to make. I am a lightaholic. I absolutely love light. I mean, I want light on, in every room that I go into. I want every corner of that room to be lighted. I, I, I just, the more, the better. I just really like light. I remember my dad always corrected me when I was young because I, I, would, I would leave the room light on, but I'd leave it on on purpose. He thought I was just wasting electricity. And I wanted to come back into a light that was a room full of light. That's what I really like. And, and I will tell you, another part of that confession is I, I watch movies with lights on. Now, don't judge me, okay? I mean, I will, I will turn off the light if it's a dark scene and I cannot see what's going on. But other than that, I want light. The, for me, the brighter, the better. I really don't even know why did they invent the 60-watt light bulb. I mean, I want 100 watts or more. I don't want 60. And have you seen the new daylight LED light bulbs? I mean, what a difference. It, they just shine so much brighter. Light to me just makes me feel good. And even though I want light, I've faced dark times in my life. I know you have too. Circumstances in our life can just make life feel dark. You get, you get a call that your sister was in a bad automobile accident. Your brother-in-law gets COVID and dies. You, you, you learn that your child has an addiction problem. Or someone that you love gets cancer. There, there was a really poignant moment during the last World Series in Game 4. They had, they had everyone hold up signs that said, um, I stand up to cancer. And they wrote their name of the person in their life or persons in their life that were affected by cancer. The, it, it was, I mean, it was, to me, it was kind of tear-jerking. All over the, uh, the stadium, thousands and thousands and thousands of names of people who have been suffering or have suffered for cancer. See, we all go through dark times in our lives. And dark circumstances exist in our life because of sin. Sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided that they were going to go their own way, do their own thing, and not pay attention to what God wanted. And when sin entered the world, death entered the world. Romans 6.23, the Apostle Paul says, the wages of sin is death. The paycheck, if you will, of sin is death. Someone's got to pay that paycheck. Someone's got to pay that wage. So the world is decaying and it's dying because of sin. And we notice it first in our bodies. Man, I got a lot of creaks and stuff when I wake up. It's just a little tough. We notice it first in our bodies, then we die, and we get sick, and we die. And God did not design it to be that way. Because of sin, we live with things like theft, and adultery, and murder, and human trafficking, hatred, and bullying, and lying, and I could go on, and on, and on. As a, uh, I'm a retired army officer, and as a career army officer, I will tell you that for me, as I was in the army, I always, I always looked at war as kind of the ultimate effect of sin. I mean, it's kind of the highest part of sin because somewhere along the line, if there is a war, 
someone sinned. Our world is fallen and broken. It's full of people that are fallen and broken, who do fallen and broken things. Sin is gripping our world. Darkness is a common metaphor in the Bible for sin. Sin keeps us from seeing God's will for us. It keeps us from seeing his light. And when I think about darkness, I think darkness is really living that takes no account of God. It's, it's dwelling in ungodliness and really not care, caring about what the consequences are. And it is separated from God for eternity, now and forever. Now, I know that's a downer, but there is good news. So in the Churchill family, we started listening to Christmas music like we do every year two weeks ago. My wife loves Christmas. She loves Christmas music, so we've been listening to it uh, pretty, pretty regularly since the beginning of November. So it, for us, it really fits well that we started a Christmas series here at Christ Journey Church in November because that, that's how we are. So the prophet Isaiah had a Christmas prophecy. He said in Isaiah 9-2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We live and we walk in the dark, a world controlled by sin. And darkness is increasing. I don't know about you, but I can't watch the news anymore. It is so tough to watch. Love is growing cold, just like Jesus said it would. We need light. And that's why Isaiah talked about the coming of the great light. And that coming of the great light is a prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want that. I want to never walk in darkness. I love light. And that's why Jesus coming as the light of the world is so needed so that we wouldn't walk in darkness, but in his light. The Apostle John said in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, in him, and it's talking about Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of man, and that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus came to shine light into our world, into our darkness, and I love that word picture. Jesus, the light of the world. Because light is a change agent. You put light into darkness, and everything changes. Jesus came to bring light into our lives and to change us. We face darkness in the world because of sin, but when we do, it's time to turn on the light of the world, and things will change. So where is it important to let, let his light shine? Well, I think it's important that we let his light shine inside of us, in front of us, and through us. So let's talk about how we can do that. First of all, let Jesus, the light of the world, shine on areas of your life that need change. So one morning, early one morning, Jesus was teaching in the temple courts. It was just after dawn, and he was there. And he was teaching during the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of the Tabernacles is a seven-day festival that God had told the Israelites to celebrate annually. And it's to remember that God, how God was with them for 40 years in the desert, wandering in the desert. And God for them was a, a fire by night. There was a column of fire that went ahead of them. He literally provided light for their way. And the Feast of uh, Tabernacles included 
lighting lamps in the temple courts. Historians tell us that there were four large candelabras that the priests lighted every, light, lit every night. And they could be seen for miles around. But they flickered. And they eventually died. And it's in that setting that Jesus announces himself to be the light of the world that never goes out. So as he's talking to the people in the temple courts, the religious leaders at that time brought in a woman that had been caught in adultery. And they said, they said to Jesus, okay, should we stone her like the law of Moses requires? And the law actually says that both the man and the woman are to be stoned. So I don't know, I think kind of maybe the woman was set up because they were trying to trap Jesus. Because if he said, yeah, go ahead and stone her, then people would say, well, but all this love and compassion you talked about, you say to stone her. If he says, don't stone her to death, he'd be accused of condoning adultery and against the law of Moses. But Jesus did not fall for the trap. He bent down on the ground and started writing on the ground. And after a bit, he stood up and said, the person without sin should throw the first stone. Then he bent back down and continued writing on the ground. And his accusers began to leave one by one. The oldest first, I guess the, the wiser first, down to the youngest. And I've always been curious, what was he writing in the ground? I'm, theologians say it could have been the Ten Commandments, which, yeah, it could have been. It could have been that he was, and others believe that he was listing the sins of the accusers that were there. Whatever the reason, they were convicted of their sin and they left because all of them, like all of us, are sinners. And after they had all gone, Jesus stood up and looked at the woman and said, where are your accusers? Is there no one left to condemn you? And she said, no. And then Jesus tells her in John 8, 11, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't condemn her. He responded to her in grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's God's love for us, even though we don't deserve it. And he encouraged her to leave her sin in a, in a rearview mirror and go and live life. And then the very next thing that the scriptures record that he said was, I am the light of the world. His light illuminated the sin of the woman and illuminated the sin of her accusers. And his light does the same thing for you and I. The psalmist said in Psalm 90, verse 8, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. God knows the darkness of our sin, yet he offers us grace, just like he did to the adulterous woman. He offers us forgiveness, and he desires repentance. Jesus said, Go and sin no more. You know what, what the earliest record, one of the earliest recorded words of Jesus in the Bible is? It's, it's the word repent. In Mark's gospel in chapter 1, now Mark, many people believe, was the oldest gospel. In chapter 1, it talks about Jesus coming and preaching the good news in Galilee. And then he sums up Jesus' message in Mark 1.15 that says, Repent and believe the good news. Jesus talked repentance. Repentance is at the heart of the Christian message. It, it, it really is essential for Christian life. To come to know Christ personally we have to repent. And after we're saved, if we fall into the darkness of sin, we have to repent. So what does it mean to repent? Well, repentance is a military term, so I resonate with it. It is the command about face. And what you see up here is from an old army field manual, and it shows how to do an about face. You see the man looking one way, he puts his foot around him, causing him to spin around, and then he's looking 180 degrees in the opposite direction. 
And just as he told the woman to go and sin no more, he wants the same for you and I. He shines his light on our sin. He forgives us. He offers us grace. Someone once said, the wages of sin is death. The good news is that you can quit before payday. That's repentance. And when we were, in order to repent, sometimes it means we've got to change some stuff in our life. Because we all have sins that God shows his light, shines his light on that says we ought not be doing that. And in obedience, we may need to cut them out. Cut the things that cause that. So if pornography is a problem, maybe you should get rid of your internet completely. Maybe you should go back to an old flip phone. You know, or if, you're, if, if your friends lead you the wrong way, maybe you should start, stop hanging out with them and make some new friends. Or if gossip's a problem, well, when someone comes and starts gossiping, you just say, let's go and talk to that person that you're gossiping about and see if we can get this thing settled. Or if you struggle with, with alcohol, maybe you should stay out of the aisle that has the adult beverages. Light is a change agent. And when you allow Jesus, the light of the world, to shine on your dark places, his light pushes back the darkness in you. Let God's light shine in you so that the change that God desires will happen to you. Another way that to, light, to let his light shine in your life is to let Jesus, the light of the world, light up the way that he wants you to go. So in John chapter 9, now this is the chapter immediately following where he said, I am the light of the world. He gives us another glimpse of where he shines his light. He and his disciples are walking along and they see a beggar, a, a man who was born blind, and he was begging, and the disciples turned to Jesus, well, who sinned? Did his parents sin, or did he sin? Because it was a common belief in the Jewish culture at that time that suffering is caused by great sin. He said, neither of them sinned. This happened so that the power of God could be seen. And then he reiterated in John 9, 5, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he brought light into this man's eyes. He reached down, he, he bent down on the ground, uh, spit, on, spit in, the, in the dirt, made a little mud cake, put it on the eyes of the blind man, told him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash, which is what he did, and he was healed. A man that was born blind could now see. And his friends were so excited that they took him to the religious leaders to show them what had happened. And, and they questioned the man that was healed. And, and just like the Congress, they started an investigation. So, so what had happened was that what they were so upset about that caused the investigation is he had healed the man on the Sabbath. Now, they had their own little rules, their own written rules, not biblical rules, but their own traditional rules that you could not heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus, man, so many of his healings were on the Sabbath, and I'm, I'm convinced he was just challenging that rule over and over. I mean, think about that. How crazy is it? You can't heal somebody who is born blind because it's a Sabbath. It just makes no sense at all. So then the religious leaders accused to the, to the blind man, the man who had been born blind, they accused Jesus of being a sinner. And he said this in John 9, 25, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus had... had the light of the world had brought life, light into this man's life. And the religious leaders threw the man out of the synagogue. Many believe, many theologians believe that he was, he, he was never, never came back, that he was excommunicated. And when Jesus heard what had happened to the man, he went and sought out the man. 
And Jesus asked him, do you believe in me? And the man said, uh, and we see it in John chapter 9, verses 38. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus lit up the man's life. He opened his eyes physically and he opened the eyes of his heart spiritually. He went from walking with a stick or somebody leading him to being able to see and walk on his own. He went from being dark spiritually to walking in the light spiritually, going the direction that God wanted him to go. Jesus wants us to see too. He wants our spiritual eyes open to see the light of his leading. We were once blind to his direction, but now as Christ followers, we can see where he wants us to go. He lights up the direction. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. God's word lights up the right path. And God uses the Bible to lead us where he wants us to go. So it's important that we have intimacy with God by staying in the book. That's how he talks to us. That's how he shows us how to live. That's how he shows us what he wants us to do. In the ancient world, they carried ceramic oil lamps. This verse talked about lamps. And it really was, they were kind of an ancient flashlight, if you will. They, uh, they only illuminated, though, one step at a time. That's all the, that's all the light went. It's just about one step out. And I think, I think it just makes us realize that you don't need to see the whole route that God has for you into the future all at once because we live by faith and not by sight when we walk and follow God's word. Each act of obedience shows us the next step. And eventually we arrive at the point of destination where God wants us. We live in a dark world and only God's light can guide us the right way. And obedience to the word keeps us walking in the light. See, the deal with a blind person, and you know this, they can't see. If, if, they're, if they're in their home and you were to go in and change their furniture, that would be mean. And they'd be running into it all the time. But it's not that way with somebody who, who can see. And God gives you light for the next step so that you can walk safely into the future that he has for you. The believer doesn't need a searchlight beaming on weeks and years to come. That's in God's hands. No, we just need the next step. Just enough light, Lord, to make the next step. In one of my Army assignments, uh, I was assigned to the U.S. Embassy in Guatemala, and we had a friend, uh, an, a Guatemalan Army officer, that we uh, got to be, they were our neighbors, we got to really get to know them. And so we went down one weekend to visit him. He was commanded a base that was near the port. And while we were there, oh, and the base had a small air, airstrip, and while we were there, the, uh, a cruise ship came in, and two American citizens got off that needed to be medically evacuated. And they had already called for the medevac airplane, and it was on its way. The problem was, it was going to land at night. And the airfield had no lights. That, that's really difficult. So what, what the commander did is he put his vehicles all around the airfield and had them turn on their headlights. It was just enough light for that airplane to come in to land, to get the patients, and to go. See, that's what God's word is like. It's just enough light to light up the way that we need to go. I mean, God has spoken to me through his word over and over again about everything in my life. He's used God's word, his word to convict me of sin. He's used it to better my relationships. He's used it to help me be a better husband and father. He's used it to call me into ministry, and he's also used it to to show me where he wants, to go wants me to go next. 
It is just so important that you spend time in God's word daily. Remember, light is a change agent, and when you allow Jesus, the light of the world, to shine on the direction that you ought to go, his light pushes back the darkness, and greater clarity exists. So not only do we let God's light shine in us, and we let his light shine in front of us, also let Jesus, the light of the world, reflect through you to the world. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. I mean, that's a pretty hard-hitting verse. I mean, that, that, that's it, says, it doesn't say you're living in darkness. It says you are darkness. Because without Christ, the light of the world, we are darkness. But he made us to be light. And we are his light to a dark world. We are children of the man who said he was the light of the world, and that makes us children of light. And like the moon reflects the sun, we reflect the sun, S-O-N, to the world. God has made us to reflect his light to the world. And that's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Christ's followers illuminate the way to Jesus. That doesn't always involve passing out Christian literature or bringing the most visitors to church on Sunday, or going on a local mission opportunity like a city serve, or going on a global one like a short-term mission trip. All those are good things, and we ought to be doing them. But we can all find ways to reflect the light of Christ to the people we encounter every day, because each person you encounter each day is loved by God. I blew it a while back at Starbucks. Uh, my wife Susan and I went on a, a coffee date, and, and I order, whenever I go to Starbucks, I always order the same thing. It's a venti cappuccino. I, it's kind of boring, but that's what I always order. And so when they called my name to come get my drink, they, they, the guy gave me a grande latte. I mean, a different size, a different drink. And I said, that's, that's not, I ordered a venti. And the guy says, no, you ordered a grande. It says so right here. And you know what? That is the first time a person at Starbucks, a barista, said, didn't say, sorry, I'll make you another like they're trained to do. So then I blew it. I said, never mind. I just walked out, left the coffee there, and I, I didn't take it. I just left angrily. I got Susan, and we said, let's go. She was kind of surprised because we had just gotten there. And we left. And I guess what bothered me about the barista is, is like, he didn't know, he, didn't, he said, I, I didn't know what I ordered. You, you know, so really, it was a pride issue on my part. And so I confessed it to God, and now I'm confessing it to you. And the rest of the story is I did go back and talk to the shift supervisor, explained what had happened, and he said, oh, yeah, that shouldn't have happened, that he'd go and talk to the guy. Every Christian can find ways to reflect the light of Christ to every person you encounter every day, even the people on the palmetto. <laughs> Maybe you can spend a few extra minutes with the, a swamped coworker that needs help, or maybe you have a good attitude in the bleachers at a Little League game. Or maybe you approach a service worker about a mistake kindly rather than with impatience like I did. We need to possess a way of carrying ourselves that convey the light of Christ that is within you to the world around you. We live 
We've got to live our lives so that those in darkness can see a light. And that's what being people of light is. That last verse I read says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Like a city on a hill or a lamp on a lampstand, we are to shine our light all over the world, and we do that through our good works. Now, I just want to be clear. Our good works are not so that we are exalted or we get the credit. It's so that the credit goes to our, their, to our Father in heaven. And that's why we emphasize missions here, both local and global, so that God gets the glory. And, and just as an aside, over in the cafe here at, at Gables or over in the lobby at Kendall, there are many, many boxes for, that were made for Operation Christmas Child. Each box that was made by, by you will go to a child who doesn't know Jesus Christ around the world and they will hear the gospel. These are little boxes of light. And so I just want to encourage you after you're done, just go stop by the cafe or go stop in the lobby at Kendall and see all those boxes and pray for those boxes because they will go to somebody, a child that God loves around the world that needs to know about Jesus and pray that, that, that his light will come into their, to the, into their life because of that box. Matthew Paris is a writer for the London Times. He characterizes himself as a devout atheist. He grew up in Malawi, a small African country, and then he moved to, to, to Great Britain. And he returned for a visit a few Christmases ago. And the work that he witnessed among Christian organizations there challenged his worldview. In the Times column, he wrote, Now a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa, sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. And that's coming from an atheist. It's incredible, but that's how we, the church, should appear to non-Christians. Remember, light's a change agent, and when we allow Jesus, the light of the world, to shine through us, his light pushes back the darkness in the world, even to someone that's a devout atheist. Jesus is the light of the world. Let his light illuminate areas of your life where there is sin and disobedience, and be open to him beaming his light in. And when he does... Instead of continuing in the disobedience, choose to repent, go and sin no more. We, and we've got to get to a place in our life where we are so sensitive to his leading. And one of the ways that he leads us is through the word of God, and there's a saying that the book will keep you from sin or the sin will keep you from the book. And part of our intimacy with Jesus comes from spending time in the word of God because in his word is where we learn obedience. And his word is where we learn the direction that he wants us to go, one step at a time. Spend time in it every day. And let the light of Jesus shine through you to a world in darkness. I kind of tend to lean toward country rock music for the music I like to listen to. There's a song that was released last year in 2020 by Thomas Rhett. It's called Be a Light. The chorus says this, In a world full of hate, be a light. When you do somebody wrong, make it right. Don't hide in the dark. You were born to shine. In a world full of hate, be a light. I think that's a good word. Let's let the light of Christ shine through us to a world in need. Light is a change agent. 
And Jesus, the light of the world, wants to illuminate areas that he wants us to, where he wants us to change. He wants to illuminate our way forward, and he wants to illuminate the world through you. Now, maybe you're here today and you realize that you don't have the light of the, li uh, the, light of the world in you. And you're experiencing darkness because of the sin that's in you. But I want you to know there is good news. Jesus wants to be your light. He wants to change you. And that's why he died on the cross. He, he died on the cross to deal for you, with your sin and my sin. He paid the debt. Remember we read earlier, the wages of sin is death. He paid for our debt, our sin, on the cross. He died in our place. He died so that we wouldn't have to. So if you don't have the light of the world in you today, I just want to encourage you, open up yourself to his light. Receive his light by faith and trust in his complete sacrifice on the cross for you. And do what it says in Mark 1.15, repent and believe the good news about Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that you love us the way that you love us. I thank you for the incredible grace that you offer us. I thank you, Lord, that you want to change us, that you don't want to leave us the same way, that you want to show us how you want us to live, and, Lord, that you want to use us to reflect you to the world. And I pray for the Christ followers here, that we would do that, that we would reflect you to the world. And then, Lord, I uh, want to pray for those who don't know you. And if you're here today and don't know him, don't have his light in you, I just want to encourage you, just humbly before, you, before him in prayer and just in your heart to his, to his ears, just say something like this. Lord Jesus, I want your light. I want your light to shine in my life because I know that there's sin in my life. I thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could become a new person and walk in the light. So I pray that you could, would come into my life and move me forward walking and trusting you. Now, if you're here and you've prayed that for the first time today, or if you're online, I just ask you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. If you're online, I just say, I, I, there's a little blue button. Push that button and I... Uh, and, and, and we'll be able to support you and pray for you. So let, let me pray for all those who, who raised their hands. Lord Jesus, I thank you for those that did. I thank you for how you've moved in their life and how you're moving. I thank you that you brought them to this point where they gave their life to you. And now, Lord, as they begin to grow in the light of your, of your love, I pray that you would be with them, that you'd walk with them, and that you continue to make them more like you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.